Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to As Some of You Once Were. With me, Trevor Briarly, pastor of Round Oak Baptist Church in Corbin, Virginia. I'd like to thank you for listening today as we continue our study through the book of Romans, as we just go through it and learn more about what God's Word is revealing to us, and as we try to more faithfully and obediently follow Jesus every single day of our lives. But again, as we get started here today, we're going to be continuing in chapter 5. Today we're looking at verses 6 through 11. It's a good passage. Um, there will be verses here that many of you who listen to this will, will probably have memorized already. Because, again, they're such great and poignant verses. And again, we start to see, as we started last week, a transition. And this, this passage really confirms that transition as we go through Romans. From telling us that Essentially, on our own, there is zero hope. By ourselves, we're hopeless. There's nothing. We can't make it. We can't hit or reach the standard that needs be for us to have any kind of salvation. But it goes from, essentially, Paul telling us that to this. That there is hope. That there is a reason to have honest and real hope. And Christ, Jesus Christ, is that hope. So, again, we're going to look at this and make kind of an outline as we see this start to form. It's going to be an outline and there's going to be key words. And it's going to help us remember kind of what's happening. So, if you're some kind of a note taker, like I am, this will help you. So again, I hope that you have your Bibles available. I hope that you can get them out. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. So again, as we go through this, an important thing to remember as we continue through Romans, we need to remember what we have already studied. Because this whole book really builds on what was previously said. Chapter 5 builds upon what was said in chapter 4. Chapter 4 builds upon what was said in chapter 3, and so on. You get the point, I think. Because so far, Paul has, without a doubt, shown us that on our own, we are helpless and hopeless. Straight to the point, pretty simple. It shows the depravity of all mankind, that we are steeped and rooted in sin. That there's literally nothing we can do to make it better. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves better. We are not able to help ourselves. No matter how good we think we are, how good someone else even maybe thinks that we are, on our own, we have zero hope. But I'm going to keep going because this is the good part, right? There is hope. We're starting to turn that page. We're starting to see that, yes, that it's hopeless, but Jesus. And that's an amazing thing. So again, I hope that you found it. I hope that you're there. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. I'll read it aloud here real quick. 
For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Again, I just want to pause right there and say, Wow. If, if that doesn't make you just kind of set back and simply say, wow, thank you. I think you're missing the whole point because that's outrageous. It's amazing. While we were still sinners... Jesus died for us. But again, let's get this started here. My first point is we kind of look at this, and we're going to remember, we're going to use some key words here to help us remember certain things. Looking at verse 6, the word here I'm thinking about is time. Time. T-I-M-E. As this passage starts, Paul establishes who's in control. And I'll tell you this, it's not us. It's not the ungodly, but quite simply, it's God. Plain and simple, it's God. He is in control. And this shows us two things. First, saying this, at the right time. He's showing that this is on a divine timeline. That Christ knew this was going to happen. This was predestined, appointed to do this. At this time, From eternity past. It was always the plan. This is not just when it happened to happen. But rather this was the perfect moment in history for Christ to go to the cross. And to shed his blood and die. For our sins. For our atonement. It was the perfect time. Second. It meets our greatest needs. It meets our greatest needs. When all seemed hopeless and lost, Christ is there. He did not die because we're so great. He did not die because we earned it. God was not waiting around for us to do certain things. He was not waiting for us to do just good enough. And like, oh, there, they finally got it. Now we can... Now my plan can go forward. Not at all what happened. He didn't wait for us to be just righteous enough to make Jesus' death on the cross worth it. He wasn't waiting. It was 100% his timing. And his timing is perfect. 
I want to say one other thing. It wasn't us. We know that. It wasn't even the Jews who were crying out, crucify him. It wasn't that either. It wasn't the Romans who carried out the punishment. Not the disciples. It was God's timing. His and his alone. And it is perfect. It's a proverb that says, we make plans, but God directs our steps. Perfect. We can think about all the things that we want to do. Some of our plans even work out. But it's in God's will. It is God's timing. He is guiding us, leading us, directing us, causing us to have certain ideas. Causing us to do certain things because his will is perfect. Ours is skewed. No matter how much we want it to be good. And I just want to mention this, that I am forever grateful that God's in control and not me. Because I tend to mess things up. I know that I would. When God gets a hold of you, you are no longer your own, but you are his. And we start to see that God is perfect. His timing is perfect. His power is perfect. And his will is perfect. As he bends us, moves us to his will. Not our own, but his. On his timetable, not ours. Second key word we're going to kind of look at here today as we break this down is sacrifice. It's sacrifice. Verses 7 and 8 say this, For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps some might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I really just love that verse because it gives me hope every single time I read it, think about it, or say it. But anyway, the word we're looking at is sacrifice. It says, rarely for the just. A great person with no blame. Rarely for one. For a mere good person, someone might dare to. Right? What he's saying here is the best of the best people. There would still be hesitation. Most who would not give up something of theirs, especially their life, so that another could live. That is extremely, extremely rare. But, God is not like us. God is not like us and we are not like him. He loves those that are called to him and he proves it. He does not just talk about it. Again, he didn't wait for us to get right with himself because we never could. Literally impossible. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, again, isn't that just one of the most glorious verses in all of the Bible? That Jesus stepped out and sacrificed himself for us. For those who were adamantly against him. 
before Christ saved you or saved me, we were at enmity with God, opposed to God, literal enemies of God. And while we were still like that, Christ died for us. The God and the creator of the universe loves you that much that while we were adamantly opposed to him, he made a way for us to be reconciled. No cleaning up first. No having to get right. Fix things. Because we can't. The more we tend to try to fix things, the more often it, they become worse. God made a way when everything seemed as dark as it could be. When hope seemed lost. While we were drowning in a sea of sin. Jesus Christ came and died in our place for us. So that we could be reconciled to a holy God. Which is my next point. My next key word that we're going to look at is reconciled. Verses 9 and 10. Then how much more then, since we have been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? Then verse 10. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Now, I just like this, basically because it's just showing the power of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. I mean, don't you just love the grace of God and the mercy, getting things that we just simply do not and could never deserve, and the mercy not getting what we obviously deserve. I love this. Only an amazing God, the one who died for us, would have that kind of grace and mercy for us. So, here we are. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. Again, we were enemies with God, estranged from Him, well deserving of any and all of His wrath. Yet, Christ still died for us. With that being said, with that reconciliation, we have this. How much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? If God has done this for us while we were still sinners, while we literally hated God, what will he do when we are reconciled? What will he do now that those of us who follow Christ are his children? It's kind of limitless. It is limitless what he will do. And, I'm, and I want to be clear on this. I'm not saying that we'll get all the things, right? We'll not have all the stuff this side of heaven. We have an eternity of life waiting for us. Where Jesus' throne is and we get to serve him along with all the other followers, all the other children of God, 
and enjoy him for eternity. That's how much more. Things we cannot fathom. On our wildest days, and our wildest imagination, we won't come close to what is waiting for us when we spend eternity with the Lord and creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. But even now, scaling it back a bit, even now, we will have every single thing that we need through Christ. Everything. Not everything we want. Remember those two vastly different words, want and need. But we will have everything that we need through Jesus. He gave us a hope and a future. We are saved by his life and redeemed by his blood. But again, we had to look at this. We read this again real quick. 10. For if we were... While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Again, we look at all these things. It's not universalism. But only those who know Jesus. And only those who Jesus knows. Those who follow Christ. Not just those who have a professed faith who has said faith, but a real faith in God, in the God of the Bible, in Jesus Christ. Those who have been changed, redeemed, bought with a price, and given new life. For them, how much more is there? For those of us who have been redeemed by Jesus, covered in his blood, and the Holy Spirit is inside of us right now. How much more is there for those of us who love him? That's an open-ended question because there is no end to what Jesus can do, is doing through us. So the last kind of key word as we look at this is None other than rejoice. Rejoice. Basically goes, how could you not? Right? Verse 11. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Rejoice. Literally have joy. We can be happy. We can smile. We can enjoy all these things. That Christ, even the afflictions, because of Christ, because of what he's done for us. If, after Christ has saved you, and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and you have no joy, that's 100% on you. If I have no joy, that is 100% on me. His joy is in us. Because of who he is. See, we were dead. We, all of us, every single person. We were dead, hell-bound sinners who were enemies with God. Who were going to spend an eternity separated from him. But Christ died for us. 
but Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. We have been reconciled to the God and creator of the universe. That should bring you joy. That should be unending joy. We should radiate that joy. We should be always rejoicing. Present term. Rejoicing constantly, continually in that. Because that is outstandingly amazing. Because that happened when it did for each one of us who that has happened to. When the Holy Spirit came and saved us and made us new. That means that we are no longer hellbound sinners. But we now have Jesus' righteousness And we get to spend eternity with him because we have been forgiven for every single sin we've ever committed. We should rejoice in that. Again, because it's a continual thing. Always rejoicing. Not that we can rejoice. Or that we should rejoice. Or that we should you know, that one time we spent the day, or at least the afternoon, right, rejoicing? No. Always. We can have joy and rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ and praise Him for what He has done for us. Not again because we've earned it, but He done it in spite of us because we are the ones who made it have to happen. Because we are sinful creatures. But God saved us. He saved us from the wrath to come because we offended and sinned against a holy God. Everything that we actually deserve, the wrath, the anger, the punishment, quite simply, in Christ we can have the opposite. That's outstanding. We have the grace and the mercy of the creator of the world. But again, to have any of this, any of these key words we've talked about, any of what Paul is writing here, we have to know him. And he has to know us. Essentially, the benefits that we talked about on the last episode. They're only possible through Jesus Christ. And again, I have to say this as well. Because the opposite is true. They are impossible. The benefits are impossible. Having that relationship with God. Being forgiven is impossible without Christ. Well, he came and died for us while we were still sinners, while we were in our greatest need. That power is still here today. Never lose the joy that you have, that unending joy in Jesus Christ. And I will end by saying this, because I think it's important. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you and drawing you to himself, maybe that's your sign. And you should listen 
to that. Jesus said that no one can come to him unless the Father compels him to come. Maybe this is the compelling. God uses us in amazing ways. Know who Jesus is and have him know who you are. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can experience, like so many who've come before you have, a joy that is unending. The grace and mercy of the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And be reconciled to a holy, holy, holy God. But again, that's all I have for today. I just want to say thank you again for listening, and I hope that it inspires you to want to study more, uh, not only in the studies we go through, through the book of Romans, but more studies on your own time, as you learn more and grow more in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, until next time, take care, and may God richly bless you as you fervently seek Him daily.